Hi, my name is Caroline, and I'm so glad that you're joining us on our Grace Journey podcast. At Grace Church, we are all about knowing God and reflecting His way. I hope this sermon will do just that by feeding your mind with the knowledge of God and engaging your heart to live a life reflecting His grace and truth. Many years ago, a serious crime committed in my family. You see, growing up in Kenya, we had access to a lot of foods that are very hard to get here if you can get them at all. But the reverse was also true. We didn't have access to a lot of foods that are very common here. And one of those foods was cinnamon rolls. Here you can get cinnamon rolls in any of a number of different ways, but not in Kenya, at least not in the 90s. Cinnamon rolls, therefore, were a special treat. They were a hot commodity, luxury of luxuries. And on special occasions, a few times a year, my mom would make them from scratch. Flour, sugar, butter, cinnamon, all the raw ingredients for making them. I mean, She didn't grind the wheat and milk the cow, but it was the next level up from there. They would take hours to make, mixing the dough, letting it rise, shaping, cutting, letting it rise again, baking, and then in a final and crucial step, drizzling them with a little bit of homemade icing. They were a serious undertaking and a precious culinary treasure. When I was five years old, one of these special cinnamon roll occasions came. Put the pan, can you hear me? Good, okay. Put the pan full of cinnamon rolls on top of the fridge. Be ready to be the world's best breakfast on Sunday morning. But the next morning, the crime was discovered. You see, in the middle of the night, someone, had eaten not just a roll, not even several rolls, but the tops off of the entire pan (laughs) of cinnamon rolls. When the discovery was made, my mom called all three of us kids downstairs. This was before the twins were born. So it was Wesley, Susanna, and me standing there in order of age. And my mom asked the dreadful question, who did this? We weren't dumb. We all denied it. My mom was left with a choice. Who should she believe? Three people were offering her answers, but they couldn't all be true. Who should she trust? Who should get punished? Well, I don't know if the truth ever came out, but my family all claims that I was the culprit, that I snuck downstairs at five years old, climbed on the counter, and ate the tops off of all of those cinnamon rolls. So, as funny as that story is, the truth is we all face my mom's quandary on a regular basis. Who do we believe? We're constantly offered different visions of reality. Which one are we going to trust? Let me give you another example. Imagine you go home after this, and you turn on your TV, and you turn to Fox News, and you watch for 10 minutes. And then you switch the panel and you go to MSNBC. 
two different visions of reality. Which one are you going to have? Now, when I said that, I bet you immediately thought of which one of the two you would be more likely to trust. But that takes us to a deeper question. Instead of which story, which vision of reality we're going to choose to trust in this moment, we need to ask, which one are we already trusting? Maybe without even realizing it. How much of how you understand life is shaped by living in Ocala, by having the friends you have, by watching the TV shows you watch, or even passing the billboards you see? What are you already trusting without even realizing it? There are a few places this plays out more clearly than social media. Ever heard of the term Twitter war? And what people often end out doing in these online fights is bringing weapons to the battle. Research shows this. This was my experience. The Bible says this. Have you heard those? Have you seen that? What we reveal in the process of those fights is who we think we can trust or who we think others will listen to. Science, experience, books, documentaries, whatever. And it's always interesting to me when we bring the Bible in as a weapon in these fights. I think that when we do that, we believe that we are trusting in the Bible, but so often what it really reveals is the opposite. We aren't trusting in the Bible, but in ourselves. Let me explain what I mean. You see, we are not the first people to use Scripture as a weapon in whatever fights we are waging. Our gospel reading today may not have any social media references, but the discussion between Jesus and the Sadducees is the perfect example of this issue of trust. The story starts with some Sadducees approaching Jesus. Now, for a little bit of context, the Sadducees were a faction within the Jews of Jesus' day. Their beliefs were markedly different from the Pharisees or other sects of the time. They set aside the belief in providence of God, believing instead that the good or evil actions of a person determined the quality of their life. They didn't believe in any sort of afterlife, including the resurrection of the dead, and they rejected much of the Hebrew Bible, holding only to the Pentateuch, the first five books of the books of law. Obviously, Jesus and the Sadducees disagreed on many when Jesus started his ministry, he quoted the book of the prophet Isaiah, a book the Sadducees didn't even consider scripture. When people asked what sins had caused someone's misfortune, Jesus often denied their sins had anything to do with their suffering, directly in conflict with Sadducees' beliefs. And again, unlike the Sadducees, Jesus openly talked about the resurrection so when this group of Sadducees approaches Jesus, at the surface, they're coming with a question about Scripture. But they're not coming to him looking to learn. They're coming to the living word of God with a question that when they've already decided that the answer they believe. They weren't looking for the truth. They were looking to enforce their will, to prove their point, to validate their perspective, to 
conquer the person they viewed as their enemy. Maybe there is social media in this pathway. It's a lot like a joke. Scripture for them is a weapon. And a weapon in that war. A tool to be used according to their purpose. So it's not really the word of God they trust themselves. They figure out the end objective they want based on their reasoning and their overall goals. And then they use God's word to try and make it happen. All in all, Sadducees demonstrate, both in this story and in their overall belief, how not to trust in the word of God. Jesus, on the other hand, does the opposite. Instead of using scripture as a tool, Jesus understands the whole world through the text. He truly trusts the Bible. Now, being God, obviously he understood the world fully and couldn't be wrong, but he sets an example for us in how he engages with Scripture. First, Jesus describes himself in terms the text provides. He teaches that our most basic understanding of who we are should come from God's Word. Likewise, he teaches about the Father in Scripture. Again, a basic understanding shaped by And in today's reading, he allows scripture to shape his response to a theological question. It came at him with a question, but he was so steeped in the Bible that he knew that it wasn't that their answer to the question was wrong, but that the whole framework of their thinking, the question itself, was wrong. So he offered a thoroughly scriptural response that reframed the entire issue. So the Sadducees tried to use the Bible for their own ends. Jesus let Scripture do it. Where the Sadducees were using Scripture to pursue their will, Jesus submitted to the will of the Father as revealed in the Bible. And when the Sadducees trusted in themselves, Jesus teaches us to trust God by trusting his word. So, centuries later, nowadays, How do we make sure we're copying Jesus, not the Sadducees, when we read the Bible? If we want to trust God, we have to trust his self-revelation in Scripture. But how do we make sure we're really trusting the Bible, not ourselves? Someone once said, too many people use the Bible like a drunk uses a lantern. It's more for support than illumination. How do we make sure we aren't doing that? I want you to do something for me. I want you to imagine a Bible. Maybe it's your family Bible, passed down from your parents and their parents before them, big and worn and faded with a family tree in the front. Maybe it's a Bible someone gave you when you became a Christian. Maybe it's a Bible you keep on your bedside table but haven't actually practiced it. Imagine that Bible. You have four options what you can be doing with it. Option number one, you can be setting it aside, putting it right back on that nightstand, or better yet, on the bookshelf, where you can get it if you need it, or you can forget it when you're done. Obviously, this is not a good option. If you aren't reading it, how are you trusting it? Option number two, you can take that Bible and you can be standing on it, which sounds good, right? Standing on the Word of God, that's trust. 
the reason you stand on stage is so that it can lift you a little higher, so that your voice can be heard a little louder. You're using the Bible to build your soapbox. It's not the Bible you trust, it's yourself. Option number three would be brandishing it, sword or shield. Would that be right? You have to trust your sword or shield, don't you? When you brandish it, you're using it for your own purposes, to fight for, protect what you want. Again, you're using it, just like the Sadducees, just like the Bible you trust. Final option, option number four, you can be eaten. This sounds problematic. This sounds kind of gross or maybe disrespectful. You got a little Ezekiel in your teeth there? But of course, I don't mean it literally. I mean metaphorically. Here's the thing. When you eat something, it goes down in most parts. It breaks down into little pieces that become part of your blood, like your bones. It energizes you. It gives you strength. It changes you from the inside. And you see, that is what our relationship with the Bible is built on. Temptation will always be to take the text, God's word, and use it in some way for our purposes, or when inconvenient, ignore it. Both of those are easy. But what you're doing when you do those things when you set the Bible aside, when you stand on it, when you brandish it, when you do those things, you're effectively saying, I trust myself, and I'll use the Bible to prove that. But if you really want to trust yourself, if you really believe that God knows everything and that he is truly good, then you have to say, if God says the answer is A, but I think it's B, then I must be wrong. And that is a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to practice and to live out. Everything around you is telling you that you are the ultimate authority in your life, that you must trust yourself. That's wrong. That's unbiblical. So the temptation will always be to take the Bible and use it in some way. Far harder far, far better to approach the Bible and to give it authority over you, to take it in, to read it, to digest it. Ask questions. Do your best to understand it. And then allow God to change you through it. The only way that happens, though, is to regularly read the Bible. Healthy food doesn't make you healthy if you eat it once a month at McDonald's the rest of your life. It doesn't work like that. The Bible doesn't change you from the inside out if you read it every once in a while. You have to read it regularly. Here's my challenge for you today. If you aren't reading your Bible regularly, I want you to start reading. It doesn't have to be complicated. If you're out of the habit, just start with a book of the New Testament. Take a book, read one chapter a night, and then as you read, look for something that confuses you. You. And then bring that passage and talk to me or to Father Jonathan. I'm volunteering him. We didn't talk about this ahead of time, but bring it and talk to one of us. Let's have a discussion on it. Let's dig into the rich feast of God's word together. Let's pray.
puzzle it out and let us let it shape us rather than trying to make it fit us. What happens when we encounter God's word, when we read, mark, and inwardly digest our prayer book together? When we do that, we get to know God better and better. Over time, we grow in relationship with him and grow closer to him and become more like him. God's clearest revelation of himself to us in our day-to-day life is in the Bible. If we really want to know him, if we really want to trust him, that's where we've got to go. And like any deep relationship, that relationship with God, of trusting him, of letting him shape and form us in accordance with his will, that's not a relationship that happens overnight. If you read your Bible regularly, you may not notice a ton of difference at first. But over time, God will work through his word in you and in your life. Just like eating healthily and exercising regularly can make you feel better bit by bit. You don't lose 20 pounds overnight. But all of a sudden, one day you realize your pants are a little bit looser. And you don't get out of breath quite so much. When you read the Bible regularly, it will gradually and form you to be more and more like Jesus. And then one day, you'll go home after church, and you'll flip on Fox News or MSNBC, and all of a sudden you'll realize that you're no longer just trusting God. And you're not even saying to yourself, how does this match up to what I think? Instead, you'll find yourself saying, how does this match up to what God thinks? How does this measure up Heavenly Father, thank you for your self-revelation. Thank you that we have a way to seek you, to encounter you day by day. And I pray that as we go out from here and as we read our Bibles, that you will continue to work in us, that your Holy Spirit will continue to shape us, change us from the inside out through your word. And that in all these things, trust you, love all, all these Thanks again for listening. To find out more about what's going on here at Grace Church, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, our website, graceocala.org, or, of course, on our campus here in sunny Ocala, Florida. Go in peace.